Hi, I'm Hannah Smay, host of the Wild Idaho podcast, coming to you from the Idaho Conservation League. The Idaho Conservation League is Idaho's leading voice for conservation, protecting the air you breathe, the water you drink, and the lands you love. Each month, the Wild Idaho podcast will explore a topic, current event, or issue related to Idaho's environment. Join us to learn about the work we're doing and how you can get involved. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Wild Idaho podcast. I'm Hannah Smay, your host, and I bring to you today a conversation between myself, Aaron Lieberman, who is the executive director of the Idaho Outfitters and Guides Association, and Mitch Cutter, ICL's Salmon and Steelhead Advocacy Fellow. And we're going to dive into Representative Mike Simpson's Northwest in Transition proposal. And so without further ado, let's turn it over to Aaron and, and Mitch and I for this really fun and inspiring conversation about salmon and steelhead in Idaho and how integral these species are to Idaho's rural economy and our collective future. Today, we're really excited to share a conversation that we had with Aaron Lieberman, who is the executive director of the Idaho Outfitters and Guides Association. And Aaron brings a very important voice to our conversation about Congressman Simpson's Northwest in Transition proposal. And so I'm just going to start by having Aaron, will you introduce yourself and just tell us what is the Idaho Outfitters and Guides Association and who are your members? Yeah, thanks, Anna. Um, so the Idaho Outfitters and Guides Association is a nonprofit business trade association. It was established in 1954 in Salmon, Idaho, um, and it represents uh, dedicated to representing and advocating for out- Idaho's outfitters and guides um, to the enhancement of quality outdoor experiences on and the conservation of Idaho's lands, waters, and wildlife. Um, so IOGA, uh, short for Idaho Outfitters and Guides Association. Um, represents the vast majority of licensed uh, guides and outfitters across the state, uh, many of whom are anatomist fishing outfitters. Great, Aaron. Thank you so much for letting us know a little bit about your organization. And so what is IOGA's position on this proposal from Congressman Simpson? So IOGA, while IOGA hasn't established, uh, doesn't have a formal membership endorsed position on uh, Representative Simpson's concept. Um, we have for a long time as an organization had a formal position on, uh, lower forest snake river dams and on salmon and steelhead recovery. And that position essentially, uh, which we've had in place since 1997, I believe, and was, uh, reaffirmed just two years ago, um, effectively set calls for the removal, removal of lower forest snake river dams, um, as the single most viable means of restoring abundant salmon and steelhead populations, uh, to Idaho. Uh, it also importantly, um, and this ties into Congressman Simpson's concept, it also importantly um, offers a caveat in that membership resolution. So the formal position of the association that we call for this insofar as all other stakeholders, industries, communities are um, not unduly impacted or otherwise to use more modern terminology kept whole. Um, in the process of so doing. So while OGA hasn't, hasn't uh, our members haven't 
had the opportunity with COVID and otherwise to uh, pass an additional formal proposal on this concept itself. Um, this concept really does embody uh, what has been the position of the IOGA for decades. And Aaron, if I can jump in here really quick, what informed that 1997 decision to back uh, breaching of the Lower Snake River dams? Yeah, absolutely. So the the IOGA's uh, position on dam removal um, first codified, at least organizationally, uh, in the late 90s was... Um, in some ways just reflects what was otherwise happening. Um, what was otherwise happening with salmon steelhead and sort of socially, politically, um, at the time. So, you know, for years at the, at the point where that resolution was drafted and, and, uh, adopted, uh, unanimously for what it's worth. Um, Fishing outfitters and guides, you know, there were some good years in there, but for the most part, um, since the installation of the dams, uh, the lower four in particular, um, Idaho's fishing outfitters and guides had just seen increasingly diminished returns of salmon and steelhead to Idaho. Um, and, 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 you know, at points, some of them had bought in, some of those outfitters and guides had bought into um, the story being told by the federal agencies, as well as to a certain extent by the state for a while. Um, saying that, well, yes, you know, these we're seeing reduced numbers, but we're going to improve ladders or we're going to improve uh, down, down river migration, et cetera. We're going we're gonna to improve habitat and that's going to make the difference. Um, and I think by 97, it had become clear to the industry, if not, um, as well as I think that was around the same time the Idaho Fish and Game um, Commission uh, adopted their position on the dams, calling for their removal. Uh, but I think, you know, like many others in the state, it became clear at a certain point to uh, outfitters and guides that the other things that we were doing, that we had been doing, uh, that we had been putting more and more money toward were just simply not working. Um, and, you know, some of these outfitters were, many of those outfitters actually at the time uh, could remember runs back to the pre-dam pre -dam era. So back to the 50s when we're looking at runs of 45,000 to 50,000 spring, summer Chinook um coming back to idaho uh today that return is about 1500 um and i think by the late 90s they had just uh they had a good faith for a while that you know the piecemeal approach of habitat restoration increased habitat restoration um fish passage at the projects themselves uh could do it but they ultimately uh ultimately even you know science aside just realizing their day-to-day -day lives that it wasn't enough. Right. So I'm curious about the economic impact to uh, the members of IOGA and Idaho's outfitters and guides, especially um, around anadromous fish. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one thing that's one of the things that's unique about um, IOGA and outfitter organizations uh more broadly, but certainly of IOGA, is we are a business trade association. So um, the economic the economics of any issue are necessarily going to be, um, if not at the fore, then fairly central in any um, organ in terms of organizational focus or you know the uh, what is most significant to our members, and really just to ground that. So if you're if you're a fishing outfitter in Riggins. Um, your livelihood depends fundamentally 
I mean, inextricably and principally on that resource. So both in terms of whether we're talking about water quality, so the quality of the uh, sort of uh, inanimate resource, or in terms of the species that drive your business, in this case, salmon steelhead. Um, so economics are are in are inextricable from from the equation for IOGA and for our members, uh, but so too are the resources themselves. In this case, salmon and steelhead. Um, I think we often try to bifurcate those things, um, not just on this issue, but more broadly in our society. Uh, the differentiation between economic or economics, industry, um, ecology. And I think uh, one thing that IOGA and our members um, that is unique about IOGA and our members is that, you know, we represent, we represent, we embody the reality that you cannot separate those things from each other. I guess like to zoom out for a second, why does IOGA speak up on this, right? Like what those things are, resource, economy, industry, culture, and community. Like I might be missing one there, but they're all interconnected. Um, and I think if we wanted to bring it back to uh, where things are today, it's also just uh, it's also just tied into history. So I mean, the when you look back at 1997, 1997, we we talk about as a breaking point in the industry where we just got to the place where we can no longer tell ourselves the convenient narratives around fish recovery or fish demise that we had finally to look at the actual sources of mortality and the actual levers that we can pull to make any actionable or meaningful difference in not or in salmon populations and for our industry. And that came on the heels of decades of buying, of drinking the Kool-Aid, of buying into piecemeal approaches and wanting to be amenable and wanting to go along with the, go with the flow, so to speak. Um, fast forward now 24 some odd years, and we're, we're really not in a very different place. For the past 20 some odd years, we've seen increasingly Low, or we've seen continued diminished returns of salmon and steelhead with some exceptions, 2001, 2009. Um, but overall, there have been fewer and fewer salmon and steelhead returning to Idaho, which means fewer and fewer, less and less opportunity for outfitters and guides. And that translating directly over into these communities where outfitters and guides live. Um, so, you know, I think one way to, one way that I think about this from IOGA's perspective is this has been a long time coming. Like we, We've been waiting, we've been pushing for and waiting for, uh, for quite a long time, a proposal that could, uh, that, that stands to both recover salmon and steelhead populations, um, which in turn would revitalize not, lo- not just our industry, but the communities where most outfitters uh, live and operate. Um, but that also could do so without um, undue injury to our friends and neighbors. So folks up on the prairie, um, farmers, uh, grain producers, irrigators, etc. Um, so this uh, Simpsons proposal is certainly, I guess it's it'll we'll look back hopefully and see it as part of the story that we've told ourselves as an industry and uh, and as a as a set of rural communities. Well, Aaron, so you talk a lot about making all communities whole and making sure that whatever efforts are made to say restore salmon and steelhead don't unduly impact um, partners, neighbors, other folks in the region, other industries. But I want to know about how the decline of salmon and steelhead is 
perhaps unduly impacting Idaho's outfitters and guides and what the future looks like as these fish are on the path to extinction. Yeah. So I think I'll, I think I'd frame it, um, zoom out a bit to frame it, which is folks talk a lot about the, especially right now about the current benefits to Idahoans, um, of the current system. So carbon light, so to speak, transportation, uh, irrigation, affordable energy. Um, and you know, some of us want to talk about the downsides to the current system. That's been the case for a long time. Uh, that sort of that binary, um, I think it's it's clear that the that the status quo works for some, it is, and works for now for some. Um, the status quo for now works for grain producers and uh, for the barging sector getting getting uh, product down to market. The current system now works for irrigators. Um, the current system now, although with some fairly large caveats, works for um, electric co-ops and for other uh, power suppliers or marketers, at least BPA in the region. Um, it doesn't work for the tribes. It doesn't work for outfitters and guides, and it doesn't work for the rural communities that depend inordinately on salmon and steelhead on that fishery. Um, and just to ground that, so and to ground that both in terms of rural communities and the industry, um, salmon and steelhead bring in roughly 240 to 300 million represent about 240 to 300 million of Idaho's $1.2 billion uh, sport fishing economy. That's an annual number. Um, about 150 to 200 million of that, largely separated out from that larger number, though, uh, is attributable to outfitted sport fishing. So the activities surrounding outfitted sport fishing for salmon and steelhead. Um, of and important to note, just in terms of when I talk about communities, uh, 80% of Idaho's outfitters and guides live in and operate out of communities with an average population of 500 or fewer. And so all of those things to say that uh, economically, economically, uh, first and foremost, um, these fish, those, those fisheries are incredibly important to outfitters and guides, and they're incredibly important to the communities where outfitters and guides live. Um, so that is one, that is one portion of this, uh, one portion of, uh, it's just one part of who the status quo is not working for. Um, when we look at say the shutdown of the Clearwater season, what, two years ago, um, it was estimated, I don't, I don't labor estimated $8.6 million lost in the Clearwater, uh, in the Clearwater drainage per month of that fishery being closed, which would overall would be about $34 million lost in an area where there in an area where there really isn't much other economic activity going on. Um, that's a, that's a pretty debilitating hit. And we're seeing that increasingly the, the spring, uh, the spring Chinook season is closed in the clear water again this year. Um, and for those rural, for those rural economies, um, those hits at a certain point are unsustainable. Um, the spring Chinook season, a limited spring Chinook season alone in a place like Riggins represents about a third of their overall receipts in a given year. Um, in places where, in communities where you can otherwise maybe sustain a 10% hit on your overall receipts, that kind of impact year after year is just uh, is something that we can't crawl our way out of. So where I'm going with that, I guess, is we get so lost 
adjudicating who is hurting more and who stands to hurt more. For a long time, folks have been like, you know, when we talk about dam removal and restoring salmon, we talk about the hypothetical of pain of people in the future, where rural communities, outfitters and guides have been hurting for a long time. Um, yet we've remained committed throughout to not not uh, subjecting others to the uncertainty that we face in our own industry. And for the first time in Simpson's proposal, we have an opportunity to actually, and not just in hyperbole, to actually make sure that everyone is made whole or better as a result. And it would be <laughs> it would be a tragedy if we were uh, if we were too too fearful of change or too locked into our sense of self and identity to uh, take advantage of that opportunity. Aaron talks about this as, you know, sort of puts it into context for outfitters and guides in his organization. And I want to put this into context from a historical perspective, too. Um, I think that what's important for people in the Northwest to remember is that this proposal is not coming from nowhere. This proposal is not because Congressman Simpson developed a sudden interest in the salmon and steelhead economics of Idaho or of the Northwest. Um, this is the culmination of 50 years or more of struggle and conflict over this specific issue and this fundamental conflict between salmon and those that depend on them versus energy, agriculture, other systems and infrastructures, and the people that depend on them. And that has been seen as a conflict for too long. That has been seen as a conflict in court for too long. Um, and we've now had five or six different lawsuits that have not achieved the kind of progress that I think either side really wanted. And who knows how many collaborative efforts that have also not achieved the results that those who engaged in those efforts really wanted. It's resulted in a lot of pain and a lot of frustration um, on both sides of this issue. And so I really think that what Congressman Simpson is doing here, and I think that this is important to recognize, is resolving all of that with this one bold idea. Um, and that idea is that we can have both these things, as Aaron said. We can have abundant salmon and steelhead and economies that thrive, that rely and thrive on those fish. And we can continue to have the affordable, reliable power that we've depended on so long. Agriculture can continue to function. And we can have a lot of other things beyond that. Um, tribes can be made whole as well. And I think that that is another thing that you know, we haven't talked about much today, but uh, that is a conflict that has been going on for not just decades, but centuries. Uh, and I think it's just important to remember all of that, all of that historical and cultural context here. This is something that moves not just central Idaho and not just outfitters and guides and salmon forward, but an entire region. And I think it's, I think it's important for people to realize how big a deal this is. Yeah. Mitch, I'm, I'm really glad you zoomed it back out because that's the part, that's the that's the framing or the the part of this that gets me, well, that inspires me most and gets me most fired up. Um, because we, as you, as you point out, we have been, we have been talking about this, um, whether through, whether in collaboratives or otherwise for decades, for so long in terms of winners and losers and these zero sum games where you can have this thing, but therefore somebody else does not have the other thing. And it's a uh, it's sad, and it, it, I mean the his the the background is sad because the reality is that we can do <laughs> this is this is a very accomplishable thing 
we can do this thing. We can do much harder things than this. As I've said before, um, like we put a man on the moon, we split the atom, we built these structures in the first place. We figured out how to how to create electricity in the first place, and not least how to do it using water. Humans are incredibly or are are in the true sense of the word ingenious beings, and we are cooperative beings. And on this issue, it's the it's the most grievous example of having forgotten that that we can replace and and currently have the means to replace the power produced power and the and and the flexibility allowed for by those by the lower force naked dams. We can install uh, install affordable alternatives to the bar transportation system. We can do all of the things that we must do in order to ensure that nobody is left behind, that everybody is kept whole. Any other platitude that we want to put to that, but the reality is that we can do all of those things. We just have to choose to do those things. And what is inhibiting us now is not the fact that we can't do those things. We can do those things. What's inhibiting us now and to some degree, still in this conversation after uh, around Simpson's proposal, um, is fear, is change and fear, and fear of fear of the unknown, fear of uncertainty. The reality is that we have more uncertainty in continuing along the status quo than we have in creating in in deliberately creating the future that we want. The status quo is riddled with uncertainty. Will Judge Simon or, you know, take control of the river and go to MO4? Will power rates continue to increase? I think the answer to that is yes, if we continue on the status quo. Will fish continue to die? Absolutely. What does that mean for rural Idaho? Nothing great. What does it mean for the Northwest? Nothing great. On a moral, economic, other levels. But the good news is, as you point out, and I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought it back there, the good news is that we can do all of these things. We can do hard things. We simply have to choose to do them. And, you know, I can imagine somebody listening to this and thinking that's naive, <laughs> but I would, uh, I would ask them to contravene it. I'd ask them to show me where we cannot do this thing. And also, and also, and also ask the question of when did we become so frail in this country, not least in Idaho, that we, that we cower before challenge rather than grab it by the horns or rather than create the future we want to create we can do that and we and we must wow aaron that's really powerful and those are words of inspiration that you know definitely move me and i hope are moving our listeners um to take another look at this proposal to put all of your effort behind getting this thing um advancing it to the next to the next level um so on that note of inspiration. And as you're talking about keeping all communities whole, making sure nobody gets left behind, um, having this sort of collective vision for all of the different moving parts and industries in the region, I want to sort of touch down and ground our conversation in what the future could look like for your members and for Idaho's outfitters and guides. I I want to know what your what the vision is, what the future could look like with abundant salmon and steelhead in Idaho's rivers, with affordable, reliable, clean energy powering Idaho's rural communities, um, with revitalized waterfronts, with restored rivers. Could you give us a vision for what that would mean for Idaho's outfitters and guides? I guess from, you know, from, from outer space looking down, it won't look all that different. I think it, 
it would look very different as we zoom in. Um, it could look very different as we zoom in. So for outfitters and guides, uh, abundant returns of salmon and steelhead would be respite. I mean, it, it you know, the part, part of it is that we're, for outfitters and guides, they're not asking, they're not asking for wealth. <laughs> they're not asking for anything except for to be back at a place where they can, they can reliably and predictably run a business that uh, run a business and live their lives as they want to, which is in connection with the resource, taking people out into the things that make Idaho, into the places that make Idaho, Idaho. Um, I think for, it, it would bring revitalization to their businesses, um, to the businesses they in turn support and to the overwhelmingly rural communities they live in and operate out of. It bring jobs to places where they're otherwise few and far between for Lewiston um, and the lower snake uh, corridor. Um, it could it could look very different, but I think in positive ways. So there hasn't been much to any economic growth uh, in Lewiston for 15, 20 years. Um, beyond the benefits to anadromous fishing outfitters uh, that would accompany salmon and steelhead return, uh, abundance in Idaho, um, the establishment of the National Recreation Area around Lewiston would provide easy access, family-friendly rafting, jet boating, fishing, hunting, hiking, all sorts of things. Um, we've seen in in uh, in other in other parts of the country, um, not least over in Oregon, that when we really dedicate resources to these national recreation areas, that they do have a good return on investment, um, a pretty dramatic return on investment. There would also be additional outfitted opportunities um, in that area. Uh, beyond that, for Lewiston, I mean, I think Lewiston really more than anything would look different would be different, would have to reimagine itself. And that's the scariest part for a place like Lewiston. Um, but to your question, you know, when I, when I think about it, it's, I represent outfitters and guides. And so I'm, I am asked outfitter and guide questions, but for me, this isn't a question. This isn't a concept or a question that is specific to outfitters and guides that's specific to energy or anything else. This is a question. This is <laughs> kitschy as it sounds. This is the story of us. Like this is this is one of those moments where we make a decision about who we are going to be and what our future is going to look like. And I think that's what could look most different to break out of this cycle of zero sum games of of uh, of un, un, unrealistic and unnecessary compromise to come together around something bigger than any of us or any one sector specifically, something that could that can move all of us forward. Um, I think that's that for me is where the biggest change here uh, would be, and what the and how different that could look, and how and what other areas of our of our politics and polity that could affect. Um, I think that's as much. I mean, sure, the the fish are vitally important. Um, re reforming or saving the uh, the energy system or BPA is is absolutely critical. Um, but I think if I'm if I'm to your question, looking at what looks different for me, if we were if we're able to find our way to have the conversations we have to have, that answer the questions or to ask the questions we have to ask each other, and to look each other in the eye and move forward together in in good faith, that would be the single greatest shift that might accompany this concept. Well. The questions, the issues of salmon, of salmon and steelhead, Idaho's economy, the the region's energy, these are existential questions. And I don't mean that like 
in a hypothetical way. These are like quite literally existential questions for our communities, for our environment. Um, and so Aaron, I just want to thank you so much for joining us on the Wild Idaho podcast today and for sharing your perspective and sharing your inspiration um, and motivation with us and our listeners for getting involved with the advocacy that's necessary to, to, to create the future we must or suffer the consequences. Thanks, Aaron. Well, thank you so much for having me and for, uh, and for all you do on the issue. Hey, listeners, thanks so much for tuning in to this special bonus episode of the Wild Idaho podcast with Aaron Lieberman of the Idaho Outfitters and Guides Association. We will drop a few links directing you to learn more about IOGA and Aaron's work in the description of this episode. And I also want to encourage you all to take action. Right now is a really critical moment for us all as residents of Idaho and of the Pacific Northwest to reach out to our elected officials and let them know that we want them to get on board with investing in Idaho's future in clean energy and clean water in abundant returns of salmon and steelhead and economic prosperity for all industries for environmental justice to Northwest tribes and so much more. And so we need you to write and call your representatives. And there are some resources in the description of this episode for how you can get in touch with your senators, your representatives, your state legislators, your mayor, your city councils, anybody who is a leader in the Pacific Northwest needs to hear from you that you care about these issues and you want them to step up and engage and work together with other leaders to advance Mike Simpson's proposal. If you have any questions about how you can get engaged, or if you need help brainstorming what you want to write about to your elected officials or practicing a phone call to them, you can reach out to anybody at Idaho Conservation League. I'll put my contact information in the description of this episode so you can reach out to me. We need every voice. And so your voice really, really matters on this issue. And so thanks so much for listening to this podcast, for tuning in to our special bonus episode, and for taking the next step and taking action for Idaho's salmon and steelhead, our clean energy, our collective future, our environment. And we will see you next time on the Wild Idaho podcast.